0: Welcome to the Tub Talk Sports Podcast. I am your host, Donovan Place, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Ben Schmidt and Colin Hansel. On today's episode, we're going to go over a little mid-season NBA recap. We're going to talk about uh, some awards. We're going to give you our all-star ballots. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast and also give us a five-star rating. It really helps us out.
1: This episode is brought to you by our friends at UFF, Unidentified Flying Frisbees. Uh, they have any frisbee you may be looking for. They have frisbees up to 35 inches in diameter. Check them out at UFF.com using our code TTSP for 15% off your next purchase of $15 or more. That's UFF.com. Huge shout out to
0: UFF. All right, I think we're going to get started talking about the uh, Eastern Conference here. Uh, Colin, you're a little bit of our uh, basketball expert here. Uh, Tell us what's going on in the Eastern Conference.
1: So in the Eastern Conference, uh, so we have right now only three teams in the whole Eastern Conference above 500. Think about that. Three teams out of the entire conference, over 500. Uh, Boston and Indiana in fourth and fifth are both at 500. Boston has really been struggling as of late. Uh, They've dropped four of their last five. Uh, Part of that is because um, of the struggle of all-star. We'll preview all-star Jason Tatum. Uh, They got Kemba Walker back from injury. He's just not been the same. And this is kind of something we talked about earlier in the year. We said if Boston wants to take the next step and become legit contenders, we need Kemba Walker to play like the all-star he once was.
2: The thing is for me with Kemba is I think he saw that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were really flourishing kind of while he was hurt and then at the beginning of the season. And I mentioned this in a previous episode, how Kemba wanted to come in and be like, these guys take all the shots, still being super aggressive and I'll take a back seat. And while that may sound like a great idea, and I even praised him for it when I brought it up, Kemba's that's not really his style. And I feel like he might be taking too much of a back seat. Now his shooting and numbers aren't great overall, but I think part of it just could be because he's trying to force himself into a role that he isn't. And I think if they can find that happy medium to where there's still there's still Tatum and Brown being aggressive, but Kemba is getting a more usage than he has been. I think that could be part of the key. Um, Celtics, like you said, they're three and seven in their last sense. So they are struggling. But when you're, when you're in an Eastern conference, they can afford at this point in time to kind of go through some struggles, figure out what their best, their best role for everyone is. And I have a pretty good feeling that by, by playoff time, they'll kind of have, have it figured out and they will be a top four seat at worst. I still, I still think so.
0: Yeah. Eastern conference. For years now, pretty much ever since LeBron left, hell even before that, it's been a very weak conference. So the roster alone is going to carry that. I mean by that is that, I mean, they obviously have their two stars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And they have a lot of role guys that are going to keep them afloat. Guys like Tristan Thompson has been having a pretty solid year. Marcus Smart uh, having a really good year. And then uh, a guy I've kind of fell in love with, with this Boston team, uh, Peyton Pritchard. He's one of those. Uh, he's one of those uh, scrappy guys who can hit a big shot and uh, play quality defense. And he's uh, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite players. And I think that's really helping out this Boston team. But I think you're right. If they want to be legit contenders in the Eastern Conference, they got to start winning some games. Thirteen and thirteen at this point in the season. I mean, it has them at the five seed, but they need to they need to start truly winning some games and get up close to that. You know, third or second seed. And someone for me that you to, uh, believe if they're going to contend for the Eastern Conference championship. Someone that you brought up,
2: Donnie, I think is also a big part of maybe their recent struggles. Marcus Smart has been out for the last couple of weeks. When he first went out at the end of January, he was talking about maybe a two to three week timetable for him to return. Obviously, they don't want to rush him back and have him re aggravate that injury and potentially miss a playoff run. But he, has, he was having a really good year. You mentioned that. And he could maybe have a bigger role in that team than, than some people even really realize. So I think as long as he's back healthy and can, can continue like he was playing to start the year, that I think will be a, a huge thing that'll help them as well. Something that's kind of gone unnoticed, but he definitely does bring a presence to that team. And I really do, like I already said before, I think the Celtics team at some point will figure out what they want to do. They're, they're really young and really talented and I don't really see them by, by the end by the end of the season being within a half game of the Knicks. Not that the Knicks don't have talent as well, but I think we could all agree that the Celtics are far better.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, Boston now, uh, they've lost their last three, two games. They've lost, like I said, four of their last five. However, they are playing very well right now, uh, currently against the Denver Nuggets, they're up about ten heading into the fourth quarter, so that'd be a nice win for them to get them back on track. But another thing that catches my attention is the other two teams atop the Eastern Conference, the uh, Sixers and the Bucks, have also both lost three straight games. Uh, it looked like you know we were talking about Philly; they had like the best record in the NBA. We we're saying, are they for? Are they legit? Um, and they're struggling right now. And Milwaukee, who is finally playing their best basketball of the year, is now struggling again. Uh, Brooklyn is on a three-game win streak, although it's against some, you know, uh, maybe not as tough opponents. But it's nice to see Brooklyn with – it seems like every night one of their guys is missing games. It's KD, then it's Kyrie, then it's Harden. So it'll be interesting to see if down the stretch they get some consistency going with those three guys – Um, continue to build some chemistry. Uh, So it seems to me now that we have like four legit contenders in the East. If you include Boston in that, Uh, we know Brooklyn's contenders because of their star power. We know Milwaukee's contenders because of Giannis, um, their three-point shooting, their defense, Middleton. And it appears that Philly is also a legit contender because of Embiid, uh, Simmons, you know those other nice players they have: Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, uh, and I think Boston's a legit contender too. One of my uh, one of one of my people down the hall—he's a Celtics fan. And I caught him in the hallway the other day, and he was he was talking about him. And I'm, I I told him they're going to get back on track. I think they're too talented. Uh, they're also still a younger team, so I think Tatum and Brown and those guys will uh i think they'll figure out how to get this team back on track i want i want to ask you guys though what do you think has been the biggest surprise as far as the eastern conference goes so far is it um the struggle of miami is it the good play of a team like new york or charlotte
2: for me it's honestly not it's not the surprise of miami because one i feel like they have been dealing with a decent auto like lineup rotation i feel like they're never all on the floor at the same time, especially earlier on in the season. There was a lot of guys moving in and out all the time. I think some of the younger teams like the Knicks or even the Hornets too, the Hornets with Lamelo moving into the starting lineup, he's been great. And Earl Gordon Hayward's not a young piece, but he's been a good pickup for them. Teams like the Hornets and the Knicks, I really think they've been, been a surprise. Now, obviously I don't think they'd have these records over in the Western Conference, but I like New York with Julius Randle. He's been playing great. We've seen some flashes out of RJ Barrett and then, um, New York just went and got Derek Rose. Now, Derek Rose isn't their future point guard, but he definitely can pass along some knowledge. They have some younger guards, and I feel like everyone who, when they've got him, mentioned that he could be a mentor, but it really is true. He could definitely offer some stuff to those young guards, so that's really my surprise, is that we've seen these young teams take the next step, because even though they're hovering around 500 when you're so young, just to be competitive, and even though you may not always win, to be competitive like that is a huge step in the right direction, because the worst thing is when you're just always under 500 and you're never in close games. That's the position no franchise ever wants to be in. So as much as I didn't see really teams like the Raptors or the Heat struggling like this, I think I'm more surprised um, how quickly, I guess I shouldn't say quickly because the Knicks have been struggling for what it feels like forever. I just didn't see them being at a 500 role at this point in the season so far, or even the Hornets either. I liked Lomelo coming into the year, but I didn't think that they'd be around 500 either.
0: Yeah, for me, the biggest surprise at the Eastern Conference is that we just have not seen one team really pull away yet. I mean, at the beginning of the year, Philly got off to a really good start. Uh, They're now struggling a little bit. We saw uh, Milwaukee, they got off to a pretty good start. They're also struggling. I mean, after the Nets got hardened, I think a lot of us expected them to kind of go on a run. They just have not been able to defend anyone at all. Um, So, I mean, my thing with the Eastern Conference is uh, you look at the top five seeds. Honestly, I can see any of them winning the Eastern Conference at this point. There isn't one clear-cut runaway now. Depending on where Andre Drummond goes, um, that could be a big thing. If he does go to Brooklyn, I think they're kind of the clear cut favorites to win it. But there's just there is not just a clear cut team. And you could see a team, you know, that's outside of that top five. Maybe like the Raptors get hot, maybe the Knicks, um, maybe the Heat get hot, you know, maybe get up to like a six or a five seed, maybe even a four seed at that point and try and you know, sneak their way into the Eastern Conference Finals. But for me, there just is not that runaway favorite that I can clear cut and say is going to win the, uh, gonna win the East. Yeah, I agree with you. I keep going back and forth on, for me, it's been more between
1: Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Um, as much as people like to say, or it's the offense in today's game, especially in the regular season, is just out of this world. I mean, we're seeing higher scores than we've ever seen before, but this is still a defense wins championship type league. You look at the past champions every single year, it's a team that is pretty much near elite defensively. Um, That Lakers team last year is number one in defense this year. Uh, That Toronto team, uh, you could say Golden State was the best team that season, but Toronto put some really great defense. And all those Golden State teams uh, very talented defensively. So it's hard for me to look at this Brooklyn team and uh, be confident in picking them to win a championship um, because they don't play much defense at all. They're one of the worst in NBA history right now. Uh, and as far as Milwaukee goes, it's like their offense has been maybe the best, one of the best in basketball this year. And, you know, they defend pretty well. They have Giannis, Uh, last year's Defensive Player of the Year. But they folded in the playoffs. And the year before that, uh, Giannis didn't play to the level of Kawhi Leonard. So can I really trust them in the playoffs? That's my big concern with them. And uh, Philly, I mean, they got close. They took that one Toronto team to seven when they had Kawhi Leonard. But, I mean, I can I – Trust Embiid in the playoffs? I don't know. So I agree. Lots of questions surrounding the Eastern Conference. Uh, And right now, it's it's so weird. You have the Knicks at a six seed. You have the Hornets at a seven seed. Uh, Toronto finally just got back into the eight seed, and they're still three games under five hundred. So you could definitely see some surprise teams sneaking in. And. I think the the big thing with the Knicks' success this year has been Tom Thibodeau, former Bulls coach. Uh, I mean, he's made them a very good defensive-minded team. They've been playing, I think they're top three in defensive, defensive efficiency this year. So uh, their success is not surprising to me in that matter. Uh, Julius Randle's been playing great. RJ Barrett's taken a nice step. And they have some other good young pieces that they can work around. Uh, how about we direct our attention to the Western conference? Uh, it's, it's been pretty crazy this year, a lot of good teams. And there's some surprising, a couple surprising teams that aren't in playoff spots right now, like the Dallas Mavericks that we thought would be in a spot. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same question. What's been the biggest surprise to you guys in the West?
2: So for me, when I'm looking at the Western Conference, I feel like a popular pick here would be the fact that the Utah Jazz are in first place, best record in the NBA at 23 and five. However, whoever remembers back to our NBA season preview episode, I had the Jazz as a elite team top in the NBA. I thought they would take a step forward this year and they have. So honestly, I kind of thought this would be coming anyway. Not that I had them as the number one seed, but I thought the Jazz would have a really good season especially, I think I mentioned Jordan Clarkson. He has been outstanding for them. So that's not my surprise. My surprise is actually kind of the opposite of what I mentioned with the Eastern Conference. Teams who I didn't think would take a step forward in the Eastern Conference, I thought it'd be the opposite and there would be some that would in the Western Conference and that hasn't happened. A couple I want to look at specifically, the Pelicans who we look at their roster, I don't know how they haven't taken more of a step forward. You have Lonzo, who isn't even one of their top players because Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson are. And yet they're still sitting here today at 11 15. I know they're five and five in their last 10, so that's slightly better from how they started the season. But I thought this could be a team right around the eighth seed. And so far, they're not playing like that. And then the other team at seven and 20, I thought the Timberwolves would at least be more competitive, and they are not. I know they've had guys miss time. Cat has missed a lot of games. And now D'Angelo Russell is going to be out for a long period of time with, uh, I believe, a knee injury. But I just thought the Timberwolves would take a step forward this year. I didn't necessarily think they'd be like a playoff contender, but they're just not good at all. Anthony Edward has definitely shown flashes, but Timberwolves are 3-7 and in their last 10. It seems like when they get into the fourth quarter with a lead, it's just impossible for them to close out games, kind of like the Atlanta Falcons, the NFL. But those are teams like – even Kings you could throw in there, they're 12-15 and – I thought some of these younger teams would take the next step forward to competing for the last playoff spot, and they haven't done that. Meanwhile, we've seen teams at the Eastern Conference,
0: they have been the ones at least taking the next step. My biggest surprise in the Western Conference is actually a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. Right now is in the thick of things right now. It is the San Antonio Spurs. I thought the Spurs were, I mean, they went on that incredible run I think they made the playoffs for like 20 straight years under Popovich. Something crazy like that. Last year in the bubble was the first year that they had missed it. I think since the pre-Duncan era. And um, this year, I thought that they were going to be selling a couple pieces because they had a couple guys under big contracts, like Aldridge, like DeRozan. But this year, they are right in the thick of things. They are the sixth seed. I mean, record-wise, they're ahead of the, uh, ahead of the Nuggets the Warriors, as we mentioned, the Mavericks, and even the teams like the Grizzlies, and they're only a half game back of the Trailblazers. So, I mean, they're right in the middle of this, I mean, clusterfuck of a Western Conference. There are a lot of good teams and not a lot of good spots. Part of me just thinks that, that um, the playing game that they added at the end of – or for the bubble last year and they decided to continue this year was just to add – more teams for the western conference because the western conference always seems to get like 10 11 teams over 500 at the beginning at the end of the year as opposed to the eastern conference that has like three teams under 500 back into the end of the playoffs but yeah the uh, the spurs have really surprised me I look at their uh, I look at their stats they have eight guys averaging double figures that is insane to me so I think that's a team that can not only sneak into the playoffs but can be very dangerous because, I mean, Popovich is obviously one of the greatest coaches of all times, and they have a lot of guys that can beat you in a lot of different ways.
1: Yeah, San Antonio, that's another team that uh, last year, you're right, they struggled a lot. They're a very well-coached team, and uh, like you mentioned, they spread the ball around. They have a lot of different guys averaging double figures. Uh, And they have some guys that people don't talk about ever. Keldon Johnson, he's only 21 years old. Uh, He's been a very good scorer for them. DeJounte Murray, which I think is maybe the biggest part of their success this year is because of the leap that he's taken. Um, I've always liked DeJounte Murray. I remember he and uh, Alonzo used to do it out uh, back in, you know, first couple years in the league. Uh, Two good young point guards. Both play good defense. Uh, His uh, taking that next step has been a big part of their success. The Rosen's one of the more underrated players in basketball and uh, they play good defense. They're well coached. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they stick around there uh, somewhere between, you know, six through eight, nine throughout the rest of the season. Uh, I think for me, when you look at the Western conference as a whole, Uh, Utah was playing a little better than I thought they would. Although, you know, last year they took Denver to game seven. They didn't even have Bogdanovich. So we knew that they were a good team and we kind of all knew that they would be right back there. Uh, The Phoenix Suns' success has not been surprising to me. I want to to talk about Phoenix for a minute because uh, last year they're a very interesting team because last year they were not in a playoff spot. They barely made the bubble. They won all eight games in the bubble. Devin Booker was playing outstanding. They were playing great as a team and missed it by like a game, half a game. And they now find themselves fourth in the Deep Western Conference. Uh, We know that Devin Booker is an all-star. We know how good he is. We know that DeAndre Ayton – We were talking about him in our NBA preview. We were saying he's going to be big for their success this year. Chris Paul has been, I think he's one of the most valuable players in basketball still. Last year, he took that Thunder team uh, to a five seed, four seed, and they took James Harden's Rockets to seven games. They're literally one possession away from winning it. And you know, another year, another new team, and they're right back in contention. Uh, Michael, or Macau, however you say, Bridges, has also took a step forward. He's another good young player. So I think their success has not been too surprising to me either. And I think with Chris Paul at the helm and uh, Devin Booker playing the way he is, I think they will win a playoff series.
2: And I don't think that's a stretch of a, a prediction at all because overall, just this Suns roster is is well constructed. Um, I like their coaching staff too, and I, I, I'm glad you brought up Chris Paul just because he really I think is undervalued by some people around around the league. I don't think he gets some of the recognition. I think a lot of us remember the ESPN picture last year with the thunder had a 0.2% chance to make the playoffs. And then, like you said, ended up being a five seed and that's largely because of the impact that Chris Paul had had on some of the young players and just that franchise overall. So do I think the sun's team probably would have been competing with, for a playoff spot without Chris Paul, I think probably maybe like an eight seed, but there's no way that they're this good. And at 17 and nine at the four seed without bringing in Chris Paul. So that for sure has paid off for him this offseason. I know he's an older guy. He's not their future franchise piece. But for right now, helping them from a comp- competitive standpoint is
0: absolutely huge. He's definitely undervalued in my opinion. And Devin Booker has had a one hell of a season. I know right after we're done talking about the Western Conference, we're going to talk a little awards. Devin Booker is a sleeper guy for me to turn it on to the second half and march towards that MVP. I think he's got a shot at it.
1: I mean, if if they find themselves, um, like, a, let's just say they end up as like a two seed, uh, you could definitely make a case for it because they're only, you know, a couple games behind the Lakers and Clippers. So I wouldn't be too shocked either if they were to make a run like that to have him in at least in the discussion. But I think the still the biggest surprise for me is what Ben mentioned with. Some of these teams not taking the next step. Dallas, playing the way they are, has definitely been surprising to me. Uh, Luka's done his thing. The rest of the team hasn't really done their thing. They're not rebounding the ball well at all. They're one of the worst teams in the league in terms of rebounding. Their three-point shooting has been pretty bad, and they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league this year. So when you put that all together, you know, you're going to be under 500. And I'm also kind of surprised that the Pelicans uh, do not have a better record than they do, considering how well Zion and Ingram have been playing. Uh, but yet again, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league statistically this year. So I agree with Ben on that standpoint. Do you want to get into rewar- awards? And uh, I'd love the- to get into awards. So do you want to go over our picks for the all-star rosters or
0: let's go? I say, let's go awards. Then we go, I think who you think is going to be in the uh, finals and then we'll do, then we'll do awards. Okay. So, So, all right. Let me, let me ask you, who is your MVP? You know, my answer Just say
1: your answer. Just say it.
0: Say it for the viewers.
1: I want to hear you say it. My MVP right now by a hair is LeBron James. Bullshit.
2: Fucking bullshit. Then you're not going to like my answer either because my answer is also LeBron James.
1: I'll tell you. Come on. LeBron James is my number one pick for MVP this year. My number two and three. I got a tie right now. I'm knotted at two and three. I got Embiid and I got Jokic because they're both playing outstanding basketball. And I'll tell you what, if the Denver Nuggets were 21-7 and in second place,
0: Jokic would be number one for me. I think – Look, the – yes, the Nuggets, I think what's going to end up hurting Jokic because I'm a big Jokic guy for all of our uh, viewers out there, listeners. Um, Jokic, his team's performance is what's going to help him. His team defensively has not helped them. They're not very good defensively. And you have the fact that they had a couple guys struggle there for a little bit. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. is a solid player. He just can't stay healthy. Uh, Jamal Murray has had some kind of up and down kind of games. And then they just – they they've needed other guys to step up besides Jokic. And he has Jokic right now averaging um, 26.5 points a game, 11.5 rebounds and damn near nine assists, and he's also leading his team in all those categories, as well as steals and blocks. He, I mean, the dude's an animal, and he does it with such ease. Um, they're going, look, we're, as of right now, they're the seventh seed. They're what? They're two games outside of the four seed, and then to get them into the third seed, they're another three games after that. So they're about... They're about seven games, roughly. I'm probably doing my math wrong there. No, they're five games, five games. Five games out of being a top three seed in the West, which isn't that far-fetched. This team is very capable of getting on a run. I think if he, if the Nuggets could get into that top three seeded range, I think this guy has to be the MVP.
1: I am going with LeBron James because he is – proving yet again that he is the best player in basketball. Uh, The Lakers are the number two seed in the West right now. They're about a game back of the Utah Jazz. And you know what? I can talk all day about LeBron's offense. I could talk about how he's the best passer in the league. I could talk about how he's the best playmaker in the league. I could talk about how he's shooting, I think, a career best from three this season. Uh, He's hitting threes better than he ever has in his career. But I could also talk about how he's one of the best defensive players in basketball right now. LeBron has played exceptional defense this year. He did last year, too, but it went unnoticed because it doesn't fit the narrative. And he is leading right now. You talk about you guys talk about Anthony Davis. He's an incredible defender. But I mean, you guys have noticed it. The media has noticed it. Anthony Davis has not been playing at the level that he was in the playoffs last year. He seems a little, maybe tired, maybe a little out of shape. He has not, uh, I think, put put forth full effort out on the court. He has not put it all out on the court. LeBron James has, he's played every single game this season. He's top five in the NBA in minutes, and he is leading the number one defense in the league. So by that, Right now, I think LeBron is the most valuable player.
2: Yeah, I'm also, I already mentioned, but I'm also going with LeBron. A lot of the re- same reasons as what Colin already mentioned. I think the fact that he's playing so many minutes a game on such short of an offseason shows how incredibly gifted that guy is athletically. And when you average 25 and a half, eight and eight for a top team in the NBA, as good as both Embiid and Jokic have been, I think Lakers potentially being a one or two seed and probably a better record than the number one seed in the East, I think the whole record thing is going to help his case as well. So, I mean, like I said, a lot of a lot of the things in my argument for him, Colin already mentioned, I just think that dude is having an unreal season. But if by any chance the Lakers start to cruise towards the top seed in the second half and maybe they want to ensure that LeBron is at full speed for the playoffs. I don't know if LeBron would let that happen, but if they do, and then there's teams like Philly or the Nuggets playing more meaningful games and Jokic and Ambita putting up huge stats, there's definitely definitely room for those two to jump into it, jump into that that top spot. I just think it'll be hard for for um for for a guy's at that position to win the award.
0: And I think you have the fact that Anthony Davis now He's going to be out a couple weeks, Mm -hmm. and I know, Colin, you're more familiar with the Lakers' upcoming schedule than I am. I know they have a pretty tough schedule coming up. Can you look at some of their games?
1: Yeah, you got uh, Brooklyn coming up on Thursday. I'm not looking forward to that one because if the Lakers lose, Twitter's going to be on a frenzy. Uh, You got – they play at Utah next week, Uh, Portland, Golden State, Phoenix it's it's a lot of tough games unfortunately that Anthony Davis is gonna miss
0: yeah so they have a couple they have a lot of tough games and a lot of those teams are in the Western Conference teams that are all playoff teams as of right now that you listed if the Lakers without AD in the next three weeks if they fall from a two to maybe like a four or five is that gonna then hurt LeBron's play or uh MVP stock.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: And then that will give guys like Jokic um, and Bede and even guys that I also wanted to bring up, guys that I think can very easily turn it on in the second half and then go for that MVP. I think Devin Booker is one of them. And Donovan Mitchell is another. He's been having a great season. And you add the fact that he has the best team in the league and what are they? They're like twenty and one in their last twenty-one games, yeah. something crazy like that. They started out the season four
2: and four, and and just since have just gone on an absolute tear. So yeah, yeah they are nineteen and one.
0: Nineteen and one. There you go. They. I mean, if if he can turn it on and having that stretch, I feel like he then becomes the favorite.
2: I
1: got. I got to. I got to stop you right there and just uh, throw in one more guy who deserves some recognition. I think Steph Curry in my opinion, is top five in MVP right now. Despite his team uh, being the eighth seed in the West right now, they've been playing better basketball after how poorly they started off the year. And, I mean, the dude's dropping 30 a game. So, give, give Steph, you know, he deserves some respect.
0: All right. Um, before we get into the all-star ballots, who is representing each conference in the finals come, what is it, be like July at that point? June, July, something like that? It's July this year. July, okay. Who, uh, Who's representing each conference? Colin.
1: I got to go – like I mentioned earlier, this is really tough for me. I think I'm going to go Lakers and Milwaukee still. Um, I think ultimately I got to go with Milwaukee, um, like I mentioned, because I think they can really lock up on the defensive end – and uh, I think that is going to ultimately win them a series over Brooklyn. Shall they face in the playoffs? Um, the Eastern Conference is still really up in the air for me right now, though.
2: My pick to represent each side: I have Lakers, Nets. Now, my pick for the Nets is contingent on them going out and making one more move to acquire some sort of big man defensive presence. There have been rumors now. I don't. They don't have a lot of cap space and capital to go and get one but if they can i think that'll vault them into the top otherwise i like your milwaukee pick um right now that'd be my eastern conference finals prediction sorry philly but i think if brooklyn goes and gets one more piece to the puzzle and they can all stay healthy if the big three can stay healthy that's my uh my eastern conference team and then lakers on the other side
0: uh my finals pick is actually going to be both one seed's I think right now the Jazz and the 76ers are going to be in the finals. Um, the Jazz, if you ask me right now, I think they have the most complete team in the NBA to go along with probably a top five, top three coach in the league, Quinn Snyder, excellent head coach. He has been for years. And then Philly, I mean, at the, at that point, as of right now, I'm picking them by default. I think right now they probably have the most complete team as well in the East. Um, I mean, Embiid's obviously an MVP caliber center. Simmons just dropped 40 the other night. Seth Curry is uh, one of the best shooters this year. And I mean, they have guys like Tobias Harris and uh, a couple other guys I'm missing, but I think they just have the best all-around roster. And I think they'll be able to shut down Giannis and outscore Brooklyn. And I think with that we're going to go right into our NBA All-Star balance. So for this, I think we're just going to call this as our uh, list segment of the week. Um I think we're just going to say our best 12 guys for each conference. Um I'm sure we'll have to face. Let's let's start with the starters, the five starters. So two was it two front court, three back court or is it the yeah. other way around? Yeah, all right.
1: Or I'm sorry. Uh two I never get uh, this
0: right. I never I think backcourt right. is the
1: guards. So it's two backcourt and then three front court, like forwards and Big
2: Men.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well yep. just whatever it is. Who in the Western Conference? Let's start with the West this time. Who are your starters, Ben?
2: My starters in the Western Conference, I think four out of five of these are pretty easy. I got Steph one of my guards, and then my forwards and centers, I got LeBron, Kawhi, and Jokic. And then my fifth and final starter, this is the one that gave me the most trouble. I went back and forth on it. But in a very close one, I picked Luka to be the other guard starting. But it is so close. I honestly could pick either one between Luka and Damian Lord. They're both playing so well. But I think four out of five of those are pretty obvious choices. And then by a thin, thin margin, going Luka as my other guard.
1: Yeah, I... I also went LeBron, Jokic, and Kawhi, and for my guards, I had to go Steph, and I was also between uh, Luca and Dame. I ultimately, I ultimately went Luka just because I think when you look at the Blazers, I think McCollum is playing almost on the level that Willard is right now, and they're you know they're kind of close to each other, so I'm gonna go with Luca just because he's been such a standout on his own team.
0: Um for me I think I have the same exact ones Curry, Leonard, Jokic, LeBron. I actually went Lillard mostly because Lillard's team is playing better than Doncic and Lillard and Doncic have very similar offensive stats so far and Lillard is actually by far the better defensive player this year. So I think that's why I went with that. Um let's hear let's hear some of your guys reserves the seven reserves, um, I think a couple of them are obvious. For me, the obvious ones here are Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Paul George. I think those are like the four obvious ones. And the other three, um, I put Christian Wood, Zion Williamson, instead of Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis would obviously be an obvious one here, but he's hurt and he's not going to play. So we decided not to add him. And then I put Brandon Ingram. Those are my seven. So Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Paul George, Christian Wood, um, Zion Williams, and Brandon Ingram. So not, not to correct you, but you, I believe, you
2: put Willard to your and then you left Luca off your reserves.
0: Uh, that would be correct. I did actually do that. Huh. I'm going to have to re... I'm going to have to rethink that, did I? I did leave Luca off. I'll I'll, I'll get back to you guys discussed. I'll, I'll figure out who I'm going to take off. That's this, a very good point.
2: This may be a massive mistake, but I, as much as I praise Chris Paul, I actually did not have him on. This may be a massive mistake. But my seven reserves were Lillard, who I had in a close um, as a bench player, and then Paul George been playing really well, Donovan Mitchell, one seed, Donald Mitchell's teammate, Rudy Gobert, who's been playing awesome. And then my final three, Christian Wood, big, big, big acquisition for Houston. And then I have Zion and Devin Booker. Those round out my seven. But I could very easily see Chris Paul making that team as well. It's just the West has so many good players.
1: Yeah, I had Willard since I had Lucas starting. I had CJ McCollum, his teammate. Uh, He's dropping like 26 a game. I think he's deserving I have Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I have Paul George from the Clippers. And then I also have teammates Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. So I left off um, Ingram and Williamson, who I think are the two. They're probably the two closest out of the guys that I left off.
0: I went and looked and I actually took Zion off and I put uh, Doncic in. Um
2: I did want to mention the only reason I didn't um, have McCollum originally is just because he is out with a foot injury right now. Now he is supposed to be getting reevaluated. That uh, doesn't mean he's going to be back. Um, well, I know that I know the All-Star game is in for 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 a couple of weeks, but I wasn't sure if he was going to be back anyway. Um,
1: yeah, you know on- what? You're probably right. Now that I think more about it, McCollum probably hasn't played enough games to. Um, you know, be more deserving over a player like I'll, – I'll give it to Ingram because, you know, now I think about it more. He probably hasn't – he's probably played, like, 15 games. So maybe I'll leave CJ off
0: and I'll give that to Brandon Ingram. All right. and I think we're going to go right over to the Eastern Conference. Let's hear your five Eastern Conference starters, Colin? My five starters in the East – so my
1: big men I went with – KD, Embiid, and Giannis. I know Giannis isn't like, you know, the MVP favorite like last year, but he's still playing great basketball. And then my two guards, I had to go with Bradley Beal because of how great he's been playing. And, you know, his team hasn't been playing the greatest, not good at all, but uh, he's he's the leading scorer in the NBA. I got to go with him. And I went with Kyrie actually. Uh, this was the toughest one for me. Cause I think there's a lot of different guys who could have been put in here, but I ultimately picked Kyrie over Harden just cause you know, he's played more and he's been very efficient.
2: So for my starters, once again, it was four that were very easy for me and it came down to one decision. So my, uh, My big man was Giannis, Durant, Embiid, all three, I think, no-brainer picks. And then my first guard, Bradley Beal, also, I think, a no-brainer leading the NBA in scoring, like you mentioned. And then kind of same thing with me. My guard decision really came down to a couple. It came down to Harden, Kyrie, Jalen Brown, and even Zach Levine as well. Um, Those are my four that it came down to. This easily could change day by day. I went with Zach Levine. That's definitely Bulls fan bias talking. Um, that would be my fan vote. But like I said, I think I think Harden in his new role might hurt him a little bit in, in that chance to be a starter. And then just Zach Levine being the best player on a Bulls team that has been a lot more competitive this year. I like his chances. I like the numbers he's been putting up. So those round out my top five.
0: Yeah, uh, I actually have the same exact starters, Ben, Beal, Levine, B Durant, Giannis. Um, the thing with Levine is – just that he has played so well this season and it's just not a lot of people see it because he's on a, not a great bulls team. Um, The bulls, I mean, we could go on and on about their problems, but they really just need a second star. Um, And they're, I mean, they're right there contending in the Eastern conference, but Levine has been playing amazing this year. Um, If we go to the reserves I think a couple of the reserves that are obvious for the Eastern Conference is Jalen Brown, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, if you didn't have any of those guys starting. And then for my big guys, I had Jason Tatum, Julius Randle, Nikola Vucevic. I think I always say his name wrong. Nikola Vucevic. And, uh, and here's another one. Oh, boy. DeMontis Sabonis. Did I say that right?
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: fucking nailed it. Let's go. Sabonis. Sabonis.
2: Me, me and Donovan just like our Sharks have very similar re- reserves. I thought this one was maybe easier to pick than the Western Conference. The only thing is um, I ended up going with I took out Rusevich and I had Trey Young in there. I know Trey Young hasn't necessarily been fantastic compared to the trajectory that he was on. I just have him in there. I think based on how the voting works, I think he'll get in. But the other six of them, we had the same. I think a big one is Julius Randle. He's been awesome for New York. And then I think the three, whichever guard doesn't get the second spot next to Beal, I think the other three in Harden, Kyrie, Jalen Brown, or potentially Reen, all four of those will make it. Just all four won't be starters.
1: I had uh, James Harden. I remember I had Kyrie starting as my last guard. So I have Harden, I have Levine, I have Jalen Brown, I have Jason Tatum. I also have Nikola Vucevic because I think he deserves some respect on his name. He's one of the most underrated players in the league. He has multiple 40-point games this year, the big man, averaging 24 games, shooting 43% from three, and uh, he makes my list. I also have Randall because, I mean, he's – the best player on the Knicks. He's been playing outstanding breakout season. And my last player, did, I don't I don't know if you guys mentioned him. I picked Chris Middleton. Did either of you have Middleton? I
2: did I not, know. but he was right there. I could see him. He'd kind of be in that area for me, kind of with maybe like I guess Sabonis, Trey Young, Middleton, all kind of in that area, maybe like the sixth or seventh or first out.
1: The reason I have him is because uh he's in that. He's in that 51-45-90 club right now, I believe. 51% from the field, 45 from three, and 90 from the free throw line. I think if the Milwaukee Bucks are going to make the finals this year, it's going to be because of Chris Middleton. And the not saying he's going to play better than Giannis, but if he exceeds um, what he has been in the past and really plays at that all-star level, I think – they have a serious chance to make a run this year.
0: All right. And I think that's going to wrap up our uh, all-star ballots for our uh, list segment. I think we're going to go right into this week in sports. So uh, Ben, why don't you tell us what happened this week in L baseball? All
2: righty. So we are almost through with this COVID off season and what looks like a season will hopefully start on time pitchers and catchers report tomorrow. That's probably the biggest thing um, in general. There's just not a whole lot of news this week, besides obviously pitchers and catchers reporting. So another big thing is the Dodgers were able to bring back Justin Turner. their are starting third baseman. He had been in some rumors and talks with potentially the Brewers who made a pretty good offer, but um, he goes back to LA with a chance to run it back. So by the Dodgers doing that, they are far and away over the luxury tack luxury tax i believe they're far over the 250 million as well which is more than a couple mlb teams combined i know a lot of people bring up the pirates whose combined cap space for the year is somewhere near um 40 million dollars so i'm actually looking right isn't now, that yeah.
0: like just trevor bowers contract it's just more than the pittsburgh pirates it's a salary
2: essentially so according to if you look at it, the 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 least salary cap, the Cleveland Indians right now are at thirty eight million, and then the Pirates right after them at uh, forty one million, and then so if you look at the Dodgers in total, they are at two hundred and twenty six million dollars, which is far more than the next team. The next team is the Yankees. The Yankees are just about forty million dollars behind. I guess thirty eight, thirty six million dollars behind. So league average right now is one hundred sixteen million. So. Dodgers now, are over a hundred million more.
1: That, okay, so I agree that like the Dodgers, you know that payroll, the Yankees payroll, it's a problem. It's I think it's one of my biggest problems with baseball is it's hard to make the league more fair when you have teams that are able to do that. I think it's also a problem that the Pittsburgh Pirates yeah. forty like come on,
2: that's ridiculous. That's I think, I think both ways, it's a big problem. I, I agree. I think honestly, if I I'm leaning more toward it's a problem that the lesser teams aren't spending any money. Not that I think that every team should be able to just go out and buy their way to a championship by whoever they want, but I just think that the fact that there is four teams under 50 million, when there's players making like 35 million plus, so pretty close that number by themselves alone, I think that's the bigger problem. If you look at league average at 116. All these teams that are underneath that league average, like Cincinnati, Milwaukee, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, those are all the small markets, and that's the problem. It's really hard for small markets to succeed. If you go to the top five, it's LA, LA twice, actually, the Angels and the Dodgers, and then you have the Yankees, New York Mets at six, and then Boston at seven. So it's all the big markets that can just go out and spend. Um, Like I said, though, I don't think that's as big of a problem as the smaller teams just spending virtually no money at all. But yeah, that's, nope. that's, that's honestly the biggest thing in baseball. We're at the point where we might just over the next couple of days, just start seeing just minor league invites to spring training. I don't anticipate seeing any big blockbuster deals or signings really left. I think the last of those really came with Trevor Bauer. And then I guess you consider Justin Turner. So right now, all we're hoping is a spring training. I believe the first games are either February 27th or 28th That's Saturday, Sunday. So yeah, um, Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot really to talk about in terms of in terms of baseball up up until spring training starts and just well did you did you see who got a spring training invite? I did not. I mean, I probably did, but
0: his second straight year getting a spring
2: training invite. Shout out Tim Tebow. Tim, T- I, I actually did see a tweet about that, but it was not a good one. I was like, can the Tim Tebow experiment just end already? Because um, it's for sure an interesting one. College football analyst Tim Tebow takes on the minor leagues. But, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I we said, not not a whole lot to talk about. But, uh,
1: I was we should have just spent the whole section talking about Matt Davidson of the Dodgers.
2: Oh, yeah, That's former it. former uh, all-star relief pitcher for the White Sox and Reds. I believe his his ERA is either right around zero or just above.
1: That, and he's capable of hitting 30 homers. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's no way they don't win this championship now. I think Matt Davidson Shohei Otani who? Really puts him over the top.
2: Matt Davidson getting a, into a platoon role and then just a ring out of it would be awesome.
1: Oh, I do have a question you just mentioned Otani. What's his deal now? Is he
0: done pitching? Is, like, what what's going on with him? So me, I have no idea. But he, I think he's getting to the point in his career because his big thing in Japan. Because I remember there was like there was like reports, there was um, there was like documentaries on this kid growing up where he. Like, he basically said when he gets the pros, he is not going to go to a team that isn't going to allow him to uh, play both ways. Um, but he's getting to the point where he, if he wants to actually have a future in this league, he needs to pick one. Because, I mean, he's he's been a pretty solid hitter, especially at the DH level. But pitching, it's just been, he's just been getting hurt and he hasn't been able to build anything pitching-wise. He has the talent, but he's getting to the point where he just needs to pick one or the other, and I don't know if he's going to do that. Yeah,
2: basically what I've heard on that whole situation was actually, I believe, yeah, it was this morning, um, Joe Madden said, I'm hearing full go. The reports i have been getting are fabulous. If we get Shohei in the right direction, going to be a pretty good off-season acquisition right there. I'm excited to watch this. So... Just based on that quote alone, it seems like he's he's at least planning on pitching in uh, 2018. When he came over to the MLB, he did have a 3-3-1 ERA through 10 starts. Then had the Tommy John, didn't pitch at all in 2019, and then had an outstanding 2020 on the mound with uh, seven earned runs in 1.2 innings pitched. So All Star level numbers right there. Honestly, I feel like it's better for baseball when this guy's on the field, and I don't want to see him keep getting hurt. So if that means just switching to be a batter full-time, which he's good at, um, I think whatever can keep him healthy is the best decision.
0: Yeah. All right, Colin. Uh, I mean, we already talked a lot about basketball, but tell us what's happening this weekend, at least college basketball. Well, in college basketball, um,
1: one of my favorite things from this past weekend was uh, Loyola versus Drake. Did you pay any attention to that? Because this these are two teams who from the Missouri Valley who I think are both capable of winning at least one game in the tournament.
0: Yes. And it's I mean, are both teams are gonna get in? I, I assume both teams will get in, but I don't think it's a lock. It's definitely not a lock because they both play such
1: weak schedules overall.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: However, Loyola, um They have a couple really good losses. They lost to Richmond early on, who's a very quality team, might make the tournament, and Wisconsin. And then they just lost to Drake. So they Loyola and Drake played twice this past weekend, and they split. So according to Lenardi and the bracketology, all of them, Andy Katz, Loyola is looking pretty darn good to make the tournament right now. They are still ranked number 22 in the country. Um, So – Loyola Chicago, I know a lot of people, especially from this area, um, we're on that bandwagon. Uh, oh, yeah. we, get, we get part two now. We're looking for part two. Uh, and Drake is also a very good team, but they are closer to the bubble than Loyola is. But yeah. beating them in the second time, they've because the Missouri Valley does it weird where they play like two days in a row pretty much. So yeah. them winning that second game was huge for them. Uh, there's an upset Creighton beat Villanova in the Big East, the two best teams in the Big East. Uh, Nova, I mean, they've had, they've dealt with plenty of COVID issues this year. They haven't played as many games as Creighton has, but Creighton has struggled a little bit and it's nice to see them get a big win like that. Another team in the Big East, Connecticut just got their best player, um, James Boonight back. He he played Creighton earlier in the year and dropped 40 on him. He's an NBA prospect, could be a first-round pick next year. So uh, I expect UConn to make a run. Now uh, they I think are a top three team in the Big East. Uh, and we look at the SEC. LSU took down Tennessee. Uh, LSU's been looking nice. They're one of the better teams in the SEC. And Ben, Mizzou's struggling right now.
2: Yes, Mizzou is. I mean, three in a row, horrible loss to Auburn, and then you had the close one on Saturday, Arkansas, and then another loss tonight to Georgia. So it's not looking good. They fell from top 10. Now they were at 20 going into this game and obviously going to fall even further after a loss to Georgia. So I'm not real confident in their chances right now. They were looking really good, but I know obviously they're missing a few players. Um, That obviously does not help, especially thoughts go out. One of the Mizzou starters um, had a death in the family, so that Obviously, doesn't help them. But, um, yeah, not, not looking good for Mizzou basketball. Only got a couple games left to turn things around and then conference championship.
1: Yeah, definitely plenty of time, uh, you know, before the whole tournament starts. We are getting so close to selection Sunday. I'm so excited. Cannot uh, wait. Mizzou's, I think they just have to tighten up their defense. I mean, mm-hmm. they're very capable. They have some big wins this year. They have a
2: solid resume. Oh, so, yeah. I think – I just feel like even though they'll be in close games at some points, even when they're in it, I just feel like it, a two-point deficit sometimes feels like a ten-point deficit. It's just like there's games where it doesn't feel like they can just hit the shot they need. I don't really know how to explain it, but it's been it's been as of late. It's kind of changed since how, how they were to start the year.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean – Their wins over Wichita State, Oregon, Illinois early early in the year will certainly uh, still matter when it comes to deciding, even though they have been struggling as of late. Uh, Tennessee just lost to LSU, like I mentioned. So right now it's looking like Alabama's the best team in the SEC. They are scoring at a very high rate. They just scored like 115 in regulation. Against,
0: like,
1: Georgia. So, that's pretty insane. So, they're certainly a threat. Um, We can look at the Big Ten. Michigan just came back from their – they paused the program due to COVID. And they had a very tough game to start out at Wisconsin. And they beat them. They had a nice little comeback down double digits, one by – a reasonable margin of about eight points. And in the second half, they really turned things on, looked like their normal selves and doubled Wisconsin's score in the second half. So Michigan still looks like a top three team in the country. And Ohio State, um, Ben, I I don't know if you follow Ohio State basketball too much. I know you uh, follow them very well in football. They've won six in a row. They've won nine of their last 10 they might, they're certainly one of the hottest teams in the country. And it's like, it feels like we finally have the Ohio State Michigan rivalry that we've been wanting in football. I think we're finally getting it in basketball and they play each other uh, this weekend, I believe.
2: Yeah, you're, you're, you're definitely right about the fact that they've really turned it on. I was looking at um, some bracketology stuff and there's some, some different teams that, that have them ending up as one of the four number one seeds while some of the other big 10 teams have kind of taken a step backward in particularly Iowa who started off the season as a top team they're still not bad right now but they're not as hot but yeah while some of the big 10 teams have taken a step backwards Ohio State has grabbed the opportunity to jump up to the top of the conference we'll see if that if that continues through their matchup with Michigan and then the conference championship but it's just weird to see them having this much success on the basketball side, not to call them a football school, but it just seems like a lot of their success comes from more of the football side.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, they're certainly playing like a number one seed at the moment. I think um, them and Michigan could beat each other up a little bit and knock at least one of them out, but they both have such a strong strength of schedules. They're probably both gonna end up being top two seeds in the tournament. You also look at Illinois, who has won five straight. They have a couple impressive wins against Indiana, Wisconsin, Iowa. And then you also look at Iowa, who after a two-game skid has really turned things around. They beat a ranked Rutgers team last year, last week. And I was, I was saying the season might be over because they're playing such terrible defense and right after saying that they really amped up their defensive intensity in the past three games, they played pretty outstanding defense, the best that they played all season. So I'm starting to get a little hope back for Iowa basketball, who has probably been the number one offense this year. Uh, so the big 10, I mean, the best teams up there are all the teams that have been playing defense and that's what matters most in February and March. Uh and also, you still have Wisconsin there in the Big Ten, who they've been a little back and forth. They started the season as a top-ten team, but they've just been floating around.
0: Um, did I miss anything?
2: No, I think, I, think you, I think you covered it all.
0: I think you, I think you got everything. Uh, obviously, conference championships are coming up. What is it, like two or three weeks? Uh, yeah, it's – yeah, I think – yeah, it's like it's like two or three weeks away. We'll we'll obviously do a big, big, uh, big episode going down some of the big conference matchups. Obviously, the Big Ten. Um, I mean, we'll break down the uh, the SEC, the Missouri Valley will be an interesting one. Same with the Mountain West. Um, maybe, maybe we'll sprinkle in a little action there. Um, we'll see. Um, but let's go right into this week in football. Um, there's two really big stories this week. I'll save the bigger one for the last one. One funny story was uh, I think the granddaughter of Vince Lombardi went on. I don't know whose show it was. It was some talk show, but she went on and she was basically demanding Tom Brady uh, gives an apology for uh, his actions of throwing the Lombardi trophy Uh, From one boat to another boat, um, she then claimed she hadn't slept for nights and that it was very offensive to not only her, but her entire family and the fans of the NFL. And when I watched that video, I was just in disbelief of how, how dumb of a statement you could possibly make.
2: I don't, I don't know if she thought people would come to her defense, but the fans of the NFL that she said would be offended certainly didn't seem offended, or at least not the ones on Twitter because almost every other reply was, wait till she finds out what Gronk did with the trophy two years ago. Yeah. Put a big dent, <laughs> baseball dent in that one. So I have absolutely zero problem with it. Tom Brady's allowed to have fun. I mean, it's a, it's a Super Bowl parade on a boat. I think that was awesome in general. Um, Chris Godwin got his phone dropped in the water by Scotty Miller. That was, that was pretty cool if you're not Chris Godwin. So, but yeah, I don't, th- I don't, I don't agree with, with, um with Tom Brady. having to get enough, give
0: an apology at all. Plus, plus if you're her, if there's anyone throwing a trophy, I mean, I'd want Brady to throw it. and I'd probably want Gronk to catch it from him. So it- I mean,
2: it's not like it's the original trophy either. Every Super no. Bowl, every Lombardi trophy is different. I, not that I'm saying I would agree if it was a Stanley Cup. It would make somewhat more sense because that is the original. But people eat out of the Stanley Cup, so that's not really fair either. I, I, I mean, do, they, in general, it's a there's,
0: stupid – There's videos of those players chugging massive amounts of alcohol out of the Stanley yes. Cup, so
2: – Yeah. And the then Lombardi-
0: you have baseball where it's just a chunk of metal.
1: The Lombardis are confirmed uh, Tom Brady haters. They just they they hate the man for its, his success. They're a different breed.
0: I mean, people forget Vince Lombardi only won one Lombardi Trophy. Tom Brady's won seven. He's jealous. So, so just just let that soak in for a second. But obviously, the big story of this weekend: the Texans and J.J. Watt mutually agreed on a release. So now J.J. Watt, um, the former Defensive Player of the Year, almost won an MVP, people forget. He is now a free agent. He can then sign anywhere. It's reported that he wants somewhere between like 15 to $17 million a year, which is a lot, but you have teams that have multiple connections with him. He, he obviously went to Wisconsin, so he has a tie with the Packers. His wife plays soccer for – or plays some sport in Chicago. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, His two brothers play in Pittsburgh. And then you also have teams like Cleveland that are looking for another pass rusher and that are willing to throw some money. So for JJ Watt, where do you think he'll sign roughly for how much? And do you think there's any other teams that can kind of swoop in and maybe get him?
2: The way that I want to look at it is, one, I do think he'll end up getting that 15 to $17 million. Um, He's a great player at this point in his career. He might not deserve that much money, but I think he'll get it. For me, I'm going to look at it from the franchise. are going to be offered from the contract standpoint. I would, one, make sure it's more of a short-term, short-term deal if that is possible, if that's something he's willing to accept because, one, he is up there in age and has a large injury history. And I would make sure you're going to pair him with another, at least above average to elite defensive lineman as well. We know that Cleveland has one in Miles Garrett. Pittsburgh obviously has great defensive pass rushers. I don't think asking 32-year-old J.J. Watt to win against double teams anymore at this point in his career, obviously he'll win some of them, but I just think winning every time or at least at the level he was i think it's too much to ask so those would be my big things obviously jj Watt gets to make the decision but if i was the teams offering the deal i would make sure that one it's not going to screw you over for cap space and two that you have another pass rush to pair them with that's why i don't think teams like maybe someone who's contending like the bills would be the smartest move because although they need a pass rusher i don't think J.J. Watt is going to fix all those problems. I would rather maybe get two average pass rushers than a J.J. Watt instead. So I do think he ends up going to maybe a team like Cleveland who has Miles Garrett and is going to be desperate – not desperate, but want someone of his services. So I would I would definitely keep an eye out for Cleveland.
1: Yeah, I agree. I can definitely see a place like Cleveland or even Pittsburgh in, um, if they can afford him. Uh and I think he will get the money, like we were saying, like the 15, the 19, whatever million. Uh, I can definitely see him getting that because you know that when you bring in J.J. Watt, you're getting one of the hardest workers in, in, in the NFL. Um, he's not going to stir up any drama. He is, you know, he's he's got the right uh, attitude. He's got the right mentality. And I think he's going to want to go to a contender after playing on the four and 12 Texans. So I can definitely see Pittsburgh uh, if he can find a way to play with his brother, or I could see him playing for Cleveland against his brother, um, his biggest rival, uh, a team like Ben mentioned that would love to pair up a guy like him with Miles Garrett. I could also see him going. Another thing that just makes a little too much sense is going back to his uh, hometown ish area back to Wisconsin and go to the Packers. Um, Another contender who will certainly be one of the favorites in the NFC next year. Um, I think the Packers would also be a good fit for him. So I would put my money on one of those
0: three teams. And for me personally, I'm just, I mean, I think the one thing that's scaring off teams like Ben mentioned, a Buffalo, um, maybe a Minnesota maybe like a New York Giants, is that kind of $17 million range is what he's asking for. I mean, that's the kind of number you pay, like your elite top-tier guy. And J.J. Watt has been that. I think it's what Ben mentioned, the uh, the injury history. He's getting up there in age. Is it a guy you want to build your defense around at age 32? Probably not. Um, so I think that's what's scaring off guys, but or scaring off teams from signing J.J. Watt. But I think if you can get him for maybe anywhere from like 13, I think you will see other teams trying to swoop in and get him. Um, But me personally, the one that it's just a place that makes so much sense, not only from a JJ Watt standpoint, but from a organizational standpoint, I honestly think he's going to go to Chicago. His wife's from there. Uh, JJ, I think it's stated that he loves the city of Chicago. And it just makes sense that with the uh, the Bears' front office, their one job was to re- – or their biggest job this offseason was to re-sign Allen Robinson and find a future quarterback and they're going to solve it by paying damn near $20 million for another defensive lineman. That just, that just plays out so well in my brain. But having that elite front um, defense of J.J. Watt Keem Hicks and Khalil Mack is very scary. If I was in the NFC North,
2: I don't like that thought at all. So I'm just gonna hope that that doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> but They're where do you have- think? Where do you think he's gonna go? Cleveland. You think Cleveland?
2: Yep, that's my that's my pick. I know it's uh, makes a lot of sense and it's like too obvious, but I'm picking Cleveland. Colin,
1: I think I'm also picking Cleveland. I mean, I've seen on Twitter today. I've seen on on Twitter today that um, there's a lot of mutual interest that he's seriously considering Cleveland. And uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, He would be a great fit there. And um, I could definitely see him wanting to play against, not literally play against, but playing against his brother's team twice a year. I could see a nice little rivalry there.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this week in uh, this week in sports and our episode of Tub Talk Sports Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you guys uh, subscribe to the podcast, give us a five star rating, and we will see you guys next week.